Okay, welcome back to lesson 14. If you have not so far, go ahead and listen to Intro to Bible Study, and then lessons 1 through 13 will catch you up so you know where we're at in this lesson. But just to recap, we have been spending some time looking into why John the Baptist was baptizing Jesus (laughs) at the significant time in the Gospels and why Jesus wanted it. And we've covered so far that Jesus intentionally traveled many days to get to John the Baptist. It says he left Galilee and came to where John was baptizing. And it says in our passage, let me go quickly to where we were in Matthew 3, 13 through 17 is the passage we're in right now. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John in order to be baptized by him. So Jesus came on purpose to be baptized by John. And John didn't want him to be baptized because he's like, hey, I need you to baptize me. (laughs) Like, why are you doing this? And so we've been in our footnote in my MacArthur Study Bible, which talked about verse 15, when Jesus responds to John the Baptist is that it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Pastor John here says, Christ was here identifying himself with sinners. He will ultimately bear their sins. His perfect righteousness will be imputed to them. And we talked about imputed has that idea of um, being transferred to somebody or it being rightfully taken from one person and given to another. And so it has that idea. And we went to 2 Corinthians 5.21 to talk about he made him who had no sin. So God, the father made Jesus Christ to be sin for us to take on our sin. Our sin was imputed to him, right? It says so that we could be the righteousness of God in him. It's it's talking about that exchange that occurred and why Jesus came and why he died. And it's really a blessing to get to think about these things and consider them during Holy Week. We're recording this during Holy Week right now. And what a blessing to think of why Jesus came, why he had a ministry, and ultimately why he died and rose again and what that means for you and I today. So what a blessing to study these things out. So back to our footnote under verse 15, it says here, this act of baptism was a necessary part of the righteousness he secured for sinners. The first public event of his ministry is also rich in meaning. One, it pictured his death and resurrection. Two, it therefore prefigured the significance of Christian baptism, it marked his first public identification with those whose sins he would bear. And it was a public affirmation of his messiahship by testimony directly from heaven. We're going to get to that in a moment. But first, let's look at some of the passages that he's using to validate these thoughts. And I encourage you, when you're in a commentary, when you're in a study Bible, When they say something in the footnotes, remember, this is not inspired, okay? (laughs) Footnotes are not inspired. They are very helpful because they're by a lot of times people who have put a lot more time and effort into the passage than you have gotten to spend by cursory reading over it, right? But remember that these are not inspired notes. This is not the Holy Spirit talking through this person. It is their opinion based on researching things. And if they don't have a verse to back up what their statement's saying in the footnote, I would take that with caution because you want to make sure that you have justification for that belief and it's not just someone's opinion, okay? So here it says, this act of baptism was a necessary part of the righteousness he secured for sinners. This first public event of his ministry is also rich in meaning because one, it pictured his death and resurrection. And it says, go to Luke 12, 50. So let's go to Luke 12, 50. And that says, 
This is Jesus talking, but I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how I am distressed until it is accomplished. Interesting. So this is Jesus. Let's scroll up a little bit and see the context for this. Jesus is talking about the faithful slave and unfaithful slave right before this. And then he talks about in this passage that he's come not for peace, but for a sort of divisiveness. Verse 49 says, this is Jesus talking, I have come to bring fire on the earth and how I wish that it had been kindled already. But I have a baptism to be baptized with and how I am distressed until it is accomplished. I have come to bring fire on the earth and how I wish that it had been kindled already. But I have a baptism to be baptized with and how I am distressed until it is accomplished. This baptism he is to be baptized with, I believe, is very clear here. He's pointing towards the cross and his sacrifice for mankind upon it. And the fact that this is a baptism that he is going to face. And really, that's what baptism is. It's a picture of death and of burial and then ultimately of resurrection. And that's why some camps that choose not to do immersion as baptism, I think are really missing out on the big picture here because you need to go down into the water and then come up out of it to really give that picture of death, burial, and resurrection. And that's how we see people in scripture being baptized. So he's talking here about the importance of this act of baptism as a, as a part of the righteousness he secured for sinners. It says here, it pictured his death and resurrection. It therefore prefigured the significance of Christian baptism. And for this, he says, see his note on Matthew 3, 6. Um, so let's go in our study Bible to Matthew 3, 6's note, which is just a page over. And this says, the symbolism of John's baptism likely had its roots in Old Testament purification rituals. And he says Leviticus fifteen thirteen for his reference there. Baptism has also long been administered to Gentile proselytes coming into Judaism. The baptism of John thus powerfully and dramatically symbolized repentance. Jews accepting John's baptism were admitting they had been as Gentiles and needed to become the people of God genuinely, inwardly, an amazing admission given their hatred of Gentiles. The people were repenting in anticipation of the Messiah's arrival. The meaning of John's baptism differs somewhat from Christian baptism, and we covered this in previous lessons ourselves. Actually, Christian baptism altered the significance of the ritual, symbolizing the believer's identification with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. And so if you think of baptism as being this line, and you think of Jesus coming, and he's he's dividing the line in half, right? He's a pinpoint on that horizontal line. Before Jesus, the baptism symbolized repentance. It symbolized a coming back to God. And after Jesus came and actually fulfilled the job that baptism was pointing towards, after he came and died and rose again, baptism now took on its full meaning. It was no longer a picture of what was to come. It's now a picture of what has occurred. And so when people believe in Jesus and accept him, now the line that continues past Jesus, now we are 
baptizing and reflecting back on what Jesus has done, baptism is not a part of salvation. Rather, it is our first step of obedience to say, I am identifying with Jesus. I am identifying with what he has done. And so you can see how he came to really fulfill the meaning of that as well as to fulfill everything else, right? But that makes more sense when we're considering the difference between the two kinds of baptisms we see in scripture. So very interesting to get into this a little bit more. Okay, so let's make sure we're done with that footnote under 315 before we move on. Okay, it says here, it says it marked his first public identification with those whose sins he would bear. Isaiah 53, 11 covers this. Isaiah 53, 11 says, For from the trouble of his life he will see, he will be satisfied. In his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, shall declare many righteous, and he is the one who will bear their iniquities. So it's talking about the fact that the Messiah would suffer from the trouble of his life. He will see and he will be satisfied. He will look ahead to what this is accomplishing and he would be satisfied with that, basically. And his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, shall declare many righteous. And he is the one who will bear their iniquities. That picture of Jesus bearing the iniquity of all mankind, of all sins that have been committed, it's being foretold here in Isaiah Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came to earth, Isaiah the prophet is looking ahead to what the Messiah would look like and and how he will bear their iniquities. So that is really cool. So back to our footnote, it says it marked his first public identification with those whose sins he would bear. We went to Isaiah 53, 11. Let's go to 1 Peter 3, 18 really quick. And this says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, in order that he could bring you to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So this is talking again about Jesus suffering for our sins, the just Jesus for the unjust, you and me, in order that he could bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And that is what Jesus did when he came. I feel like we're just running through these verses that really need time to sit and think about, but I encourage you write them down on a piece of paper, write them down for further study, and then go and just sit in these passages and really consider what this means, what Jesus has done for you, what that means for today, how that can change your outlook on tomorrow. Think about what this really is saying and let it penetrate your heart. Okay. And then it says, and lastly, it was a public affirmation of his messiahship by testimony directly from heaven. And we definitely know that this is the case if you know the story of what happens when Jesus is being baptized, which we haven't really gotten to yet. So let's go ahead and go back to our text here in Matthew 3, 13 through 17. And then we're going to go to some parallel passages and see what they have to say. All right, Matthew 3, 13 through 17 says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John or to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it now, for in this way it is right for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. Now, after he was baptized, Jesus immediately went up from the water and behold, the heavens opened and he saw, so this is, he saw here is John the Baptist. He saw the spirit of God descending like a dove coming upon him, upon Jesus. 
And behold, there was a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Well, that definitely was different from all the other baptisms John the Baptist had participated in, I'm sure. So that's incredible. And now we see here this story is what John the Baptist is referencing when he says, I didn't know who the Messiah was going to be, but I saw the spirit descending on him like a dove. And the one who sent me to baptize told me that this is a sign basically of the beginning of Jesus's ministry. So let's quickly go to Mark 1, 9 through 11, as that's another passage that deals with the baptism of Jesus. Mark 1, 9 through 11. It says, and it happened that in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. So again, it's mentioning the fact that Jesus intentionally left a region of Galilee to come down to Jordan where John was baptizing. And immediately as he was coming up out of the water, So now we don't have John the Baptist's reticence to baptize him here. It just cuts right through that. Mark's gospel is known for kind of being quick. Everything is, it happened then, or immediately it happened. And as soon as this happened, like he's always moving on quickly to the next thing. So he says immediately in verse 10, as he, Jesus, was coming up out of the water, John the Baptist, he, saw the heavens being split apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him, Jesus. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And then verse 12 says, immediately the spirit drove him out into the wilderness. We're going to get to that. We're covering the baptism of Jesus first. Then we're going to get to what this looked like as far as the next stage in Jesus's ministry after his baptism. So let's go quickly to the Mark 1, 9 and see if there are any footnotes that Pastor John has here. Yeah, it just says, For an explanation of why Jesus was baptized, see note on Matthew 3, 15, which we already looked at that. So we're good there. Okay, so now we've looked at Mark's account. Let's quickly look at Luke's account before we end this episode. Luke 3, 21 through 22 is going to show us the last account of this baptism because John does not have the account. The Gospel of John does not. So Luke 3, 21 through 22. All right, it says, now it happened that when all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. You know, what's interesting here is Luke mentions the fact that when all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. And this is referencing that period of John the Baptist's ministry. We talked about this in a previous lesson when he was actively baptizing, because if we go a little bit higher up in the verse, uh, verse 19 talks about Herod, the Tetrarch, is locking John the Baptist up because of things he spoke out against, the evil deeds that Herod had done. And so John the Baptist is in prison And then he's referencing the fact that when John the Baptist was out of prison and was baptizing people, Jesus also was baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended on him. So it's kind of interesting to see that viewpoint from Luke is taking it a little bit further into what happened eventually. And then he's backing up and reminding us of that period of ministry John the Baptist had. Okay, time for us to break, but we'll be back in lesson 15.